1: Hey everybody, uh, good morning and welcome to our uh, last outdoor service for the summer. I, I love these outdoor services, uh, mostly because it's uh, closest we can get to having our entire church family in one place at one time. Uh, so you ought to just look around every once in a while and just say this is what CCC is and I'm so grateful for everyone. Uh, those of you who are tuning in online just want you to know we miss you. I also know that it's a little hot right now, so we have water over here right after the service, or at any time you can come up, get some water, that'd be great. We did have a wonderful week this past week with Kids Camp. Uh, More than 800 kids running around, and uh, Sarah, she gave you the greatest thing, which had 105 children decided to follow Jesus. Uh, I remember uh, reading one time about a pastor who had some kind of event, and after the event, he said 32 and a half lives were given to Jesus. And somebody came up to him afterwards, and they said, you mean 32 adults and one child? And he said, no, no, 32 children and one adult. The adult only had a half a life left to give, (laughs) right? So when we say that 105 children... I told you last week uh, when I said, if you want to volunteer... Even for a day, it might be the most important day in a child's life. That's what I meant. So I just want to uh, thank uh, everyone who participated this last week, particularly our kids' team. But it wasn't just our kids' team. It was production and worship. It was our building and grounds. It was our food ministry. It was everybody. It was like an an all-team effort. And then you hundreds of volunteers, thanks for making this last week just phenomenal uh, for the kids' And so uh, let them know that we love them, but more importantly, that Jesus loves them. All right, so we are kicking off a new series uh, this week. It's a four week series on the Holy Spirit. Now, we uh, believe that there's a basic rhythm to the Christian life uh, it's like breathing, breathing in, breathing out. You know, every year we have a four week series that we call our Breathing Out series. We look in the Bible what the Bible says about how we should impact the people around us and our community. And then we have a breathing in series, which is uh, to look in the Bible to see how we should be growing deeper, sinking our roots deeper into Jesus. This is our breathing in series. We're gonna spend all four weeks in a single chapter, chapter eight of Romans. There's probably no better chapter in the Bible to tell us who the Holy Spirit is and what he does. The Holy Spirit is probably the most mysterious and the most neglected of the Trinity, of the three persons of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But it's the Holy Spirit that is the secret to experiencing God. Because to be a Christian doesn't mean to be a, try to be a good person. To be a Christian doesn't mean just adhering to a certain section of beliefs, According to Romans chapter 8, when you are a Christian, the Spirit of God comes inside of you and dwells in you, takes up residence in you, and it's the Holy Spirit that allows you to experience a real relationship with God himself, all right? So in the passage that we just had read, I want to pull out uh, three things about the Holy Spirit. I want to talk about the person of the Holy Spirit. I want to talk about the presence of the Holy Spirit. And I want to talk about the power of the Holy Spirit, and then we'll be done. The person, the presence, and the power. First, the person of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is not a mist. He's not like a, a fog uh, that just sweeps in like cloudy. Right? I, you know, we just got through with the series on the life of Moses. You know, the Ten Commandments, the movie The Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston and The Last Plague, they have uh, the fog kind of that flows into the land, and that's not what the Holy Spirit is like. The Holy Spirit isn't like uh, the force in Star Wars. The Bible says the Holy Spirit is a person, the third person of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And because the Holy Spirit is a person, it means he has a personality. And so the real question is, what's he like? What's the Holy Spirit like you? And this is what it says in verse 9. Verse 9 says, You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if in fact the Spirit of God dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to him. What that says is that the Holy Spirit is like Jesus, exactly like Jesus. I don't know if you've ever played a game with a group of people where you've said, hey, if you could spend a day with anyone in history, who would you spend that day with? If you've ever done that and somebody says, oh, oh, I would spend it with Jesus. You have to go, yeah, we know. Okay. Yeah, you would spend it with Jesus. Besides Jesus, who would not want to spend a day with Jesus? It would be just unbelievable, right, to spend a day with Jesus. That's what spending a day with the Holy Spirit is like. It means that when you, are, when you are with Jesus, you'd be with someone who is good like all around, like is absolutely perfect in every response to you. That's what I mean. I, a few weeks ago, I was talking to a really good friend of mine, and I was feeling kind of down and heavy, and he didn't pick up on that right away, and he was feeling kind of up and kind of funny, and we just kind of missed each other like that, that that never happens with the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit never has an inappropriate response to what you're going through, which means the Holy Spirit does exactly what you need at any given time. And that means that if you need encouragement, then the Holy Spirit gives you encouragement. But if you need truth, the Holy Spirit gives you truth. If you have a really, really good friend a really, really good friend can tell you the truth in a loving way so that you can hear it. A really good friend, if you say to a, to a really good friend, you know, I'm gaining weight. I don't know why I'm gaining weight. I just can't put my finger on it. A really good friend might say, I got one word for you, pizza, right? You're eating a lot of pizza, right? That's a, that's a friend who will love you like that. This is what I want to tell you. The, the Holy Spirit encourages you when you need to be encouraged, will comfort you when you need to be comforted but will also convict you when you need to be convicted. But the Holy Spirit is for you. And to spend a day with the Holy Spirit is absolutely wonderful. That brings me to my second point, which is the presence of the Holy Spirit. The presence of the Holy Spirit. This is what it says in verse 11. If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. What that says is the Holy Spirit has taken up residence in you if you are a follower of Jesus. He doesn't like visit from time to time. It means he is within you. He dwells in you. That means at least three things. The first thing it means is that you are no longer alone you are no longer alone. You may feel lonely from time to time, but you're not alone. In verse four, it says that when we walk, we walk in the spirit, walk with the spirit. My wife, Karen, and I got a chance a few years ago to go to the Holy Land. And one of the things that struck me when we were in Israel was how far things were to walk places. You know, when it says that Jesus and his disciples were in Caesarea Philippi, that's way up north. That would take weeks to walk. And every step of the way, the disciples were walking with Jesus because Jesus was with them. That's the Holy Spirit with you. I love going for early morning walks around my neighborhood. It seems like I'm by myself, but I'm not because the Holy Spirit is with me, which means that you are not alone in your sadness today. If you are sad, you are not alone in your deepest fear. You're not alone in your anxiety or your joy. The Holy Spirit is absolutely with you, all right? That's the first thing. The second thing is that uh, that means if the Holy Spirit dwells in you, that he experiences whatever you experience. You subject the Holy Spirit to everything that you go into and are a part of. My wife Karen and I, when we were first married, we lived in a little tiny house. It was like 900 square feet. We had two kids under the age of three. We didn't have many people who came and spent the night with us. And the reason, because if you did come and spend the night with us in that 900 square foot house with two kids under three, it means that you were willing to experience whatever we experienced. You, if somebody was crying, you heard them crying. If somebody was cooking, you smelled them cooking. If someone was watching TV, you were watching what they were watching because there was only one TV and one room, right? That's what it means to have the Holy Spirit dwell in you. Whatever you are experiencing, wherever you go, whatever you do, whatever you look at, you are subjecting the Holy Spirit to that. He sees what you see. He hears what you hear, He experiences what you experience. The last thing it means that the presence of the Holy Spirit is with you and dwells in you. That means the grace and mercy and love and peace of Jesus is in you and with you all the time. It means that you have someone inside of you that is so close that longs for you to do good. That is for you and for your good. I just read a book that said you should only spend time with friends who are for your good. Uh, That's true. The Holy Spirit is for your good all the time. Uh, A couple weeks ago, I was involved with a drama kind of in my uh, family with with one of my grandchildren. Uh, we were at my house and I saw something unfolding that was gonna tempt my, my grandson to either choose to lie or choose to tell the truth. And when you're my age or you're a parent, you know you can see that like a storm on the horizon. You see it before anyone else sees it. And so I was watching this unfold And as the time came, the the, kind of the moment of truth where he was going to choose to either tell the truth or tell a lie, there was no one who was longing for him to tell the truth more than me, because I love him. And what I wanted was what was good for him, his good, and the good was for truth and not to go down the winding, dark, twisted path of lying. That's the Holy Spirit within you. In every situation that you find yourself in, you have someone inside of you, or if you're a follower of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is in you, and he is pushing you, longing for you to choose life, to choose good because of his love for you. And that brings me to my final point, which is the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what it says in verse 11. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal body through his spirit who dwells in you. What that says is that the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you. The power of life over death. There is no greater power than life over death. And Paul says that when the Holy Spirit dwells in you, you have that same power in you. And then Paul says two things that I think are really interesting. In verse, uh, verse 6, this is what he says. He says, For the to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. What does that mean? It seems terribly important. It means that tomorrow, on Monday, you are going to set your mind on something that will either lead to life or you will set your mind on something that leads to death. Of course, the question is, what does it mean to set your mind on the flesh or to set your mind on the spirit? We all have Monday coming with work or friends or children or whatever you have going on, what does it mean? Does it mean that if you think about that, if you think about what you're going to eat later on, if you think about what you're going to do, if you think about what you have to do at work, is that putting your mind on the flesh? Does it mean you have to think about Jesus 24-7 and be humming hymns all day? No, it doesn't mean that. This is what it means. All right, every day I wake up and I'm hungry. I have to eat in order to keep my physical body alive. You do too. I don't have to remind myself to be hungry. It's just automatic because my body is saying, I need to live, feed me, right? That's true of your soul too. Every day you wake up and your soul is looking for something, looking for something to keep it alive, to give it value, to give it life itself. It's almost like a, I think like a feeding tube that's, that's, inserted right into my soul. And every day I wake up and I have a choice of what I'm going to try to connect to in order to give me real life. I remember uh, talking when I was working with high school kids years ago. I remember talking with a junior in high school. And uh, this kid was really struggling uh, with God. And he was struggling with God because he desperately wanted a girlfriend and he didn't have one. And he kept saying to me, well, why wouldn't God give me a girlfriend? And I was talking to him about Jesus. And then he said this. uh, Something he said is, what good is Jesus when I don't have a girlfriend? Right? What was he saying? What he was saying was this. He goes, "I I want life. I want something that will give me life. And this is what I think will give me life, a girlfriend. And you only have to be older than high school to know how doomed that is. Right? There isn't a high school girl alive who can sustain someone's soul with her very being. I woke up this morning knowing that I was gonna to speak to all of you. You know, usually I have like four different shots at speaking. <laughs> this is like one and done, right? So there's kind of pressure, just want you to know. But I wake up and I think, you know, I wanna do well. I wanna impact people. I want people to be, feel like they're closer to, to Jesus at the end of this. I wanna give them something that is true and that they'll remember and all of that. But there's also something in me that's like uh, this, and I think if I do well enough, if I impact people enough, then they're gonna tell me how good I am and somehow that will give me life. And the moment I start thinking like that, I'm doomed. And you know that, right? There are all kinds of things that we will wake up tomorrow and you will be tempted to say that will give me life. It could be your children, it could be a a sport, it could be a hobby, it could be a marriage, it could be a dream, it could be a job or a promotion, whatever it is, what Jesus, what Paul is saying here is that when you set your mind on anything that's temporary, anything of the flesh that you think will give you life, it will give you death. You will wake up and you will begin to die. But if you set your mind on the Spirit, on Jesus and what he has done for you as the thing that actually feeds your soul, then what Paul says, you experience life. The other really interesting thing that Paul says, and he says it in verse 2, that there are two laws that are at work. He says one law is the law of sin and death, and there's another law that is the law of life. And peace through Jesus. And he says that there, there are these two laws and they are competing. There is something that I was trying to think of how to illustrate this. And uh, there's a law that's happening that we are all subject to right now. And that's the law of gravity, right? All of us right here experiencing the law of gravity. If I drop this, it falls like that. But there are other laws that allow you to overcome the law of gravity this is a drone and when I, when the drone goes up like this it's not magic right that drone is just obeying another law it's the law of aerodynamics that's what paul is saying paul is saying tomorrow you have a choice right your choice is to either be a part of one law and if you end up saying to god to jesus tomorrow you know what Holy Spirit, make me connect with Jesus from my value. It's not what I do to perform. It's not the relationships that I have. It's not the dreams I have. Instead, it is Jesus and what he did for me and the connection that he has made to me through you. Right? That's the one way to live. The other way to live is to wake up tomorrow morning and think, you know what? Maybe my job is the thing that will give me life. Maybe my children are the things that will give me life. Maybe this relationship, this dream, if it did come true, and you'll see, feel yourself start to sink. Two laws. Two laws. The law of sin and death. The law of life and peace through Jesus. Right? I was working so hard to find a prop I could only use outside. That's what I want you to know. I just want you to remember though, right? This is what is true. Jesus Christ gave his life for you through his life, death, and resurrection. What we will learn next week is that he changed your status before God, that you are now a child of God through Jesus. And the Holy Spirit, it'll say next week, bears witness with your spirit that you are a child of God. The more you lock into that, the more you will experience life and peace. The more you forget that, the more you will experience sin and death. Remember, it's the Holy Spirit that is the secret. The person of the Holy Spirit, he's just like Jesus the presence of the Holy Spirit, you are no longer alone. He is with you and the power of the Holy Spirit. He is the power to set you free from sin and death because the power that raised Jesus from the dead now lives in you. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for all that you have done through your life, death, and resurrection and all that it means for us. Holy Spirit, thank you for coming inside of us, dwelling in us. I pray that for each one of us that we will not neglect you, not forget about you, but will walk each day with you. And we'll understand who you are and what you do inside of us. I pray that you will bear witness with our spirits. I pray that tomorrow we will remember that our life source is not in anything around us and the things that beckon us to say that they will give us life, but our real life source, our souls who are connected to you uh, because of your power and because of your death and resurrection. Thank you. Uh, We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.